I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Pod bless everybody. I'm your host of OPP, Corey Cambridge. And before we get started with this amazing episode, I want to tell you about my other show, Silent Giants. Silent Giants is a podcast that highlights the superstars behind the scenes of popular culture. Ever wondered who made the MTV logo? Did you know the person who wrote Earth, Wind & Fire's hit song September also wrote the theme song for the hit 90s TV show Friends? On Silent Giants, we learn more about these amazing people and dig deep to learn more about their most famous works. Be sure to check out Silent Giants on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Now, let me introduce you to our special guest of OPP. Hi, my name is Jesse Brown. I am the host of the Canada Land podcast, and this is OPP. Pod bless everybody and welcome back to another episode of OPP. Other People's Podcast is America's number one podcast discovery platform that highlights your favorite podcasters and the dope shows they created. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge. Our special guest this episode is Jesse Brown, host of the number one Canadian podcast, Canada Land. On this amazing podcast, Jesse gives media criticism, news analysis, and does deep dive investigations on stories about his native Canada. In this interview, we get to learn more about Jesse, how we started Canada Land and the Canada Land Network. We chat about his podcaster's picks, and of course, we get into his dope show, Canada Land. So, on to my exclusive interview with Jesse Brown. Yo, Jesse, what's up, dog? You know, I'm 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 I'm, <laughs> I'm doing my best. We I was I'll, I'll level with your listeners. It was a late night in Canada last night. We had an election here, federal election. Justin Trudeau kind of he uh, he lost a little, but he won the we have a minority government. So he's he's still our prime minister, but sort of less of a prime minister than he was yesterday. Yeah, you know that this entire system is com- totally confusing and totally new to me. So break down the system of what it means to be the minority. What what again? Ah, uh, okay. It's a Westminster parliamentary. We got a whole different system here, but it's just as depressing. Uh, we we have a bunch of different parties. You don't vote for, you know, you you got a president. We got a prime minister. You don't really vote for the prime minister. I don't get to to, to say Justin Trudeau or, or Andrew Scheer, his opponent. What you do is you vote for your local uh, member of parliament, and then the total number of members of parliament, if they've got enough, they form government. If they've got uh, and if, they, if there's more of your party than any other party, they got a majority government. So one party can call all the shots. They can put legislation through their own. People can all vote for something and then that'll be the law. Or they got more people than the other parties, more more uh, MPs than the other parties. Uh, but still, if the other parties all team up, they could defeat the government. And that's what we got now. If all the other parties team up, they could bring Justin Trudeau down. So we could be heading back for another election, uh, you know, in, in a year or two. Could be like that. So before this, Trudeau had a majority. His people could call the shots. And now he's in a weaker position. But he's still the prime minister, the the, the most minister. He's more of a minister than anybody else. He's, <laughs> he's still the guy who will meet with uh, 
Donald Trump got or whoever else you choose. That's that's uh, that's how it goes. Well, Canadian politics definitely sounds more entertaining than American politics. It's so boring, the two-party system. Are you kidding me? If there's one thing you guys have, it's entertainment. It's uh, it's turned into a reality show. You've got the best show on earth. I mean, more Canadians listen to podcasts about American politics than they do listen to, Canadi- to, to podcasts about Canadian politics. We're more interested in your show than our own show. Well, our president was a reality TV star. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, your your American celebrity culture has just completely, you know, it's it's blurred and, and blazed into everything else. So so now it's all just one big showbiz kind of. Yeah, you know, I, it's, it's just a carnival. I had a great conversation uh, with Archie Mann, um, who's a part of the network. Uh, last that's right. Week. That's right. And we had a great conversation about you know America and and Canada and the podcast landscape and how so many Canadians listen to American podcasts. Like, what is what is the challenge uh, for Canadian podcasters? Um, and, and crossing over here to America? Well, okay, the whole, I mean, for, we have a challenge just in reaching our own people in Canada. And then we have a challenge if we want to cross over to America. So the problem and the challenge and the one that like Canada Land, the podcast, and now Canada Land, the media company that we're totally dedicated to, that we're our purpose essentially is defeating this idea that Canadians and Americans share that Canada is kind of nice and boring and is a better country than most other countries, certainly kind of better and more peaceful than America, and nothing really important happens here. And, uh, you know, we should pay more attention to what's happening with you guys or elsewhere in the world. That's bullshit, and we've got serious problems in this country, and we've got serious, uh, fascinating stories, and we've got racism in this country, and we've got uh, unfinished business with uh, indigenous people in Canada who uh, have been treated miserably throughout the history of colonialism. We've got just all kinds of drama and we ignore our own drama because our next door neighbor is the biggest empire the world has ever known. That is also the biggest uh, media and entertainment force that uh, the world has ever known. So we get overwhelmed, but what we've done here at the small company is we've looked at the, the, you know, what Archie does is he looks at the, the, the billionaire families that secretly run Canada. What I look at at Canada land is, uh, the media here and all of the things happening, um, everything from, uh, you know, one of the big stories that we kind of debuted with uh, in our first year, I, I uncovered uh, the Gian Gameshi story, which was a pre a pre Me Too sexual uh, misconduct and abuse and uh, assault story uh, with one of the biggest celebrities in Canada. So we've got, you know, dark, nasty stuff that we want to ignore here. And our job is to shine a light on that stuff. Uh, Jesse, tell me something about your background and how that led you to start the Canada Land Network. I'm a journalist who was working in the Canadian media for, uh, you know, 15 years before Canada Land. Uh, I worked for the CBC, which is our uh, public broadcaster here, kind of like, uh, you know, NPR or the BBC. I worked for them. I worked uh, for a bunch of magazines. I worked for... uh, uh, TVO, which is a provincial broadcast. You know, I was just like, I do radio, I do print magazines, I work for the newspapers here and there. I was just kind of like, uh, sometimes I'd have a day job, but most of the time I had a column here and I was blogging for these guys and I had a radio show over there. So that was my life for 15 years, covering different things, uh, covering technology for a while. And I kind of hit a crossroads with it where uh, six years ago, I looked at Canada and I looked at America. And, you know, when it came to America, there was so much media criticism. There was, uh, you know, NPR has uh, On the Media, terrific show looking at the media. Then you've got comedy about the media. You have The Daily Show, which, you know, at the time it was Jon Stewart, who was just like taking clips from Fox News and CNN and everywhere else and talking about it. 
uh, making fun of it. And then you had Gawker, which was gossip and scandals about the media. You had David Carr at the New York Times writing a media criticism column. Uh, wonderful self-examination. And there was nothing like it here in Canada. Nobody in, in the Canadian media was, was doing anything to cover the Canadian media. And I knew the Canadian media. I mean, I've been working in it for years and years and years. And I live in Toronto, which is like, you know, media is heavily concentrated. It's sort of like, you know, New York is, uh, you know, to US, the U.S., what Toronto is to Canada. And everybody, everybody, you know, my boss at the CBC, her husband was an editor at the big newspaper, The Globe and Mail. And, and uh, her boss was married to an editor at The Globe and Mail. Everybody knows each other here. Everybody lives in the same neighborhoods. And no one was talking about any of the problems we have. And I knew about those problems. And I knew, I knew some, but not all, about... Um, some of the abuse of power that was happening from hosts of the CBC. And I knew that we had a plagiarism scandal here that nobody was talking about. It was like this weird omerta, like nobody would talk about all the problems in the Canadian media. Uh, so I, I decided to do something about it. And that's how Canada land was born. Um, tell me how, how did that podcast Canada land turn into uh, a network? So this was sort of early days of podcasting six years ago. I mean, I, I like, I don't know, I guess there's earlier, I, I had a podcast like in 2006 or something, but Canada land was, I couldn't get anyone in the Canadian media to actually hire me to do media criticism. So I just started doing it as a podcast. Uh, I did it first out of my kid's nursery. I had a little baby at the time. And then I, I moved into a little recording space where I'm, I'm still here now. It's where you see me. And I just did it like anybody does a podcast. I uh, did it every week and gave it away for free, you know, um, which was a bit, a bit humbling for me as somebody who was like, uh, I'm used to getting paid for my work. And, you know, I'm, I'm a serious professional journalist. I had to kind of, I had to accept that, you know, nobody's willing to pay me to do this show. If I really want to do it, I'm just going to have to do it. And so I did it and I gave it away uh, every week. It was just a podcast. Anybody could listen to this was before the advertising space for podcasts was very developed. I had one sponsor at the beginning, fresh books. So I'm, uh, you know, I'll, I'll always be grateful towards, um, but, uh, you know, that, that sponsorship deal ran out and I was just doing this for free and after a year of doing it for free, I had built up an audience and I just, uh, one of my listeners actually is the one who told me about Patreon. You know, I, I knew that I wanted to, to do some kind of crowdfunding, but I didn't want to do like a Kickstarter, which was the only one that I knew. Cause you know, Kickstarter is weird. It's like, how much do you ask for? If you don't get it, do you have to stop? If you do get it, you know, what do you do when the money runs out? So a listener told me about Patreon and after a year of doing Canada land, I just, uh, turned to my listeners and I said, listen, uh, a lot of you seem to be listening to this show. I love making it, uh, but I can't do this for free. Something's got to give. If, if you want me to keep doing this, um, there's this website you've probably never heard of where you can give me a dollar a month or $5 a month or whatever you want. And it's up to you. I'm putting myself in your hands. If you think this is worth keeping, keeping it going, then you keep it going and give me a job. And, you know, I, I set it out. If you give me this much money, it'll be my part-time job. If you give me, if you make it my full-time job, I'll go to two episodes a week. And then I said, if you give me $10,000 a month, I'll start a company. I'll start a podcast network and I'll start hiring other people to make other podcasts. And, uh, yeah, we, within, uh, I don't know, like, uh, it was, it was my part-time job in a matter of hours. It was my full-time job. Yeah, I hit the full-time job mark within a couple of weeks, and then uh, it, it took some months, but then we hit the $10,000 mark, and I started hiring people to do other podcasts, and we've gone from there. We're, uh, you know, uh, well over, uh, I don't know, $24,000 a month now, and we got our crowdfunding campaign coming up, uh, so we, we, we've just been growing every year, and now there are 10 of us on staff. 
We put out uh, a whole bunch of podcasts about podcasts and news. And then we're doing some other stuff as well. You asked me how you break through into the States. We did a podcast called Thunder Bay. And, you know, the, the common wisdom in Canada is that uh, it's hard enough to get Canadians to listen to Canadian stories. You certainly can't get Americans to give a damn about Canadian stories. We proved that wrong. Thunder Bay is about uh, the city in Canada with the highest homicide rate in Canada and the highest hate crime rate in Canada city with an indigenous population that faces just extraordinary, disgusting racism where teenagers uh, keep keep turning up dead. Um, and, and the reasons why are highly controversial. Um, and we uh, we worked with Ryan McMahon, who's an indigenous storyteller and comedian and, and a journalist. And um, we told the story of, of Thunder Bay. And that is a story that not only Canadians listen to in, in large numbers, but Americans listen to. And uh, that, that uh, broke a million and a half downloads. Um, so that's what we do here is, is, is we're looking for stories that we think the world needs to know about. Uh, why do you think Thunder Bay crossed over into the American market? It's a good question. I mean, I think these stories are really universal. I, I, have, I have a bunch of thoughts on it. I mean, one thing I think is that people are curious, you know, people watch crime shows from like, you know, Denmark, people, people want, you know, that they're curious about other parts of the world and the problems and, and, you know, kind of the real unvarnished truth of it. People don't want to see a tourism commercial for how great this other part of the world is. They want to know the truth of it. And we showed people a side of Canada that they had no idea existed. Uh, but the other thing is, is that as different as Canada was from any other place and as different as Thunder Bay was, I mean, people were just absolutely shocked at the things that they, that they heard on that show. If you, if you read the reviews we got and the emails we got from American listeners, they saw America in Thunder Bay. And they said, you know, I grew up in a town that had terrible racial segregation. It wasn't with indigenous people. It was with our black community. And so many of the things you describe, just like my, my hometown in America. And a lot of people are saying this is like the deep south in the 60s. It's a completely segregated city. Uh, so, you know, the 50s, the 40s, it's like Jim Crow. P people were seeing their own history in it. And they were finding those parallels. And they were finding themselves connecting with human beings they didn't even know existed. Uh, so I think that, you know, you tell universal stories, you tell stories that just as human beings, we can we can relate to with each other. And, you know, Americans care about that town now. Uh, and, and, and I think Canadians know more about it than they did before. Uh, Jesse, I'm going to take a quick break. When we get back, bring it to your podcast, Canada Land. All Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. All right, all right. So, Jesse, um, how did you first discover the medium of podcasting? Well, I was a, I was a radio person, um, but the truth is that even before I was into radio, and the reason why I got into radio was because of podcasting. Before podcasting even existed, I'll explain what I mean. Um, before I was a journalist, I I, uh, I was a animation filmmaker, like a kind of independent. Just uh, I, I had a creative uh, partner that we would we would make little claymation films and animated films, and um, that work is really monotonous. And I've learned that like visual artists and animators and cartoonists are some of the best podcast listeners out there because they're sitting at a screen all day doing, doing visual work and it doesn't engage that part of the brain that has to do with ideas and words and voice. 
and they get tired of listening to music all the time. And that was me uh, back, back, I don't know, we're talking like 20 years ago. So I was looking for something to listen to. I, I, I had never been a big radio listener. I was a music fan. But I, but I, you know, just the, you know, I was working like 10, 12 hours a day on animation. I ran out of music and somebody told me about this thing called this American life. And, uh, they had all of their archived episodes on their website in real audio format, which a lot of people listening are not even gonna know what I'm talking about but before MP3s were popular, maybe even before they existed. I'm not sure, but certainly before podcasting was anything anybody had heard of, um, there was the real audio format. It was one of the first streaming audio formats on the internet, very low quality audio, but it was good enough. And This American Life just threw all of their back catalog on the internet. They had, you know, at the time they had a couple hundred episodes at least. And I just tore through these. And here I was, I was spending three years trying to make a short film that was gonna be like, you know, 30 minutes long. And every episode of This American Life had like little audio movies. And they put one out every week. I was amazed. How are these people, like, this is just as good as watching a movie. It's actually kind of better than watching most movies. And they're doing, like, three or four of these a week. It's so evocative. I, I, I wasn't even interested in journalism at that point because I thought journalism was a guy, you know, as an anchor of a news broadcast that just looked really false and phony to me. And reporters, like, it just felt like something that I wasn't interested in. I was interested in real human stories, and and human voices that didn't feel scripted or fake and i was getting that from this uh, this this american life which you know at the time now every every podcast sounds like this american life or a lot of them do but at the time it was totally fresh and new so i got obsessed with this show and i got obsessed with like you know i wonder how hard it would be to make one of these stories these documentaries that they're that they're that they have so many of and just uh a bunch of strange accidents um i was doing a humor column for a magazine and uh, one of the people who liked that humor column was a host on CBC radio named Michael Enright. And, uh, he got in touch with me to ask me if I wanted to do some humor stuff for his radio show, but that opened the door for me to pitch documentaries for them. And they've got some incredible document. I didn't know that Canada had this rich history of documentary radio and one of their, uh, amazing producers, uh, Karen Levine, she'd won a Peabody for her work in audio documentary. She trained me and David Gutnick and a bunch of people who I would later find out are these legendary audio producers. They taught me how to tell stories in radio. And uh, that, that I was hooked. After that, that's all I wanted to do. Um, for the audience, uh, describe Canada Land uh, in, in an elevator pitch. Canada Land is a media and news company that is powered by its listeners and readers that tells stories about Canada that are going to change the way you think about Canada uh, and stories that are of universal appeal. And, and we shine a light into dark places that, uh, that people don't want us to look at. We're, 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 we're doing journalism uh, that, uh, that uh, I think the, that the, the, the truest form of it is the stories that, that uh, somebody doesn't want you to tell. Um, I have the chance. I'm going to play a clip uh, from Canada Land. I had a chance to listen to episode 296. Um, you spoke with Professor Cheryl Thompson, and the topic was uh, Two Centuries of Blackface in Canada. That was such an amazing episode. Would you mind explaining that episode to the listeners? Yeah, I think some of your listeners will probably be familiar with uh, the scandal that our Prime Minister Justin Trudeau uh, faced when 
He was revealed to have done blackface not once, but three times that we know of in the past, completely shattering this image of this progressive, uh, anti-racist, feminist uh, prime minister. Turns out that uh, he has this past of these racist incidents, and he can't even tell us how many times he did it. And uh, what what we did was we talked to an academic, Cheryl Thompson, whose area of research is in... Uh, the, the, the history of minstrelsy and, and blackface in Canada. A lot of people think of Canada as a place where uh, the end of the Underground Railroad, where people went to be free. In fact, we have a shameful history of racism in this country. And even our our, our theme song, our theme song, our national anthem, O Canada, uh, was composed by somebody who was a, a blackface performer. And so, what you're going to hear is, is a, a clip of me talking to Cheryl Thompson about about this this history that very few people, including myself, didn't know about. Write this in Canada, so that makes some kind of sense. As America processes race, yeah. misprocesses it, whatever. What does that have to do with us? So, think about all the American media that you consume today. You're not really processing what does Game of Thrones mean to me as a Canadian, right? You just know that this is an American show that you love a lot. The minstrel show at that time, it's the same idea. Like, they're just like, these are American imports that are so entertaining. We love them. They're not processing that the mere fact that you love this means that in the context of Canada, you have the same racial framing of where black people should be placed in your society. Yeah. Um, what do you want listeners to walk away with after listening to uh, episodes of Canada Land? That's a great question. What do I want listeners to walk away with? I, I, I want them to know more than they did when they, I want them to learn something new. Every, I think that's one of the things we ask of each episode is like, did, you know, did we do this in a new way? If we're not, if we're not reporting new information and that's the best thing we could do is if we're telling you something that nobody even knew before, I feel really good about that episode. But if we're not telling you uh, new newsworthy information, I want the, the, the ideas and the conversation to get you thinking about stuff you hadn't thought about before. And I want people to feel in this country like their lives matter and the problems we have here matter and their attention. Certainly we're citizens of the world. Let's think about what's happening in America. Let's think about what's happening around the world, but start with the place that you live and accept the fact that it's far from perfect. And, uh, you know, it's not my job to get people to go and become volunteers, you know, like that's up to them. But I want people with all of our content, our news stories, our podcasts to feel more engaged with, with who they are. And when people listen to our podcasts in America, I want them to just know more truth about who we are up here and, and what the reality is and then kind of, you know, disabuse them of, of some convenient fictions about us that might, might be comforting, but aren't true. Uh, also, uh, describe the shortcuts uh, episodes um, in the feed for Canada Land. Yeah, so, you know, our our first thing was the Monday show, and Monday Canada Land is usually a, a big conversation with somebody, one big feature interview. But media criticism should be media criticism, you know? We should, we should have some place where we look at what the media's been up to every week and respond to it. So Shortcuts is me and a co-host going through a few big stories in Canada, not talking about the story, but talking about how that story was told. And so we look at, you know indigenous representation in the media. We look at a specific news story and say, how is this handled? Did, did, did we ignore something? Did we blow that out of proportion? What's going on with the media that we have here? So it's more of a chat format. It's where we get a little bit 
more snarky, make fun of things when it's necessary. Uh, it's it's sometimes where the takes are a bit hotter because it's not where we're presenting original investigations in journalism. It's where it's like, this is what I think about what I saw. So it's a show where I'm most likely to get myself into trouble. Um, but it's also, uh, you know, I, I think performing a service. A lot of people actually, in the same way that people would watch The Daily Show to get their news, a lot of Canadians listen to shortcuts not to get the criticism of the news, but that's their update because they get both the news and the and the a take on that news all in one. So that's that shortcuts. Okay, so Jesse Brown, we are at a part of the show called our podcasters picks. Now, this is where I ask the guests of today's show to give me three podcasts that you enjoy that we should be listening to and describe them. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll self promote here. I'm I'm a, I'm a, a podcaster and a and a publisher, so we I, I gotta I gotta take the opportunity. I think if you're if you're if you're encountering Canada Land for the first time, a few, a few episodes that uh, I'd recommend. We did one episode called "A Guide to Jordan Peterson." A lot of people are familiar with Jordan Peterson, the Canadian psychologist who wrote this best-selling uh, 12 Rules to Life." Um, we know a lot about the guy, and we know a lot about his fans. And we did uh, an episode called uh, "The Canada Land Guide to Jordan Peterson." I think that's a good place to start. Um, my uh, senior producer Kasia Mihailovich did an interview with Dr. Jen Gunter, uh, who wrote the uh, the Vagina Bible, uh, that's a recent episode looking at how Gwyneth Paltrow and and Goop and the the wellness industrial complex really misinforms people and women specifically about their health and tries to sell them a bunch of stuff that they don't need and can actually hurt them. Uh, and uh, just the, the the way that Kasha engaged with Dr. Jen Gunter, I think, revealed a lot of stuff and just brought out a human side and and got into the details of like. You know what is the what does the public actually want? Uh, do we want celebrity content about health that might be kind of engaging and fun, or do we? Can you actually tell stories that are true and rooted in science that are just as engaging and will have as, as big an audience? That's a great episode. I think people should check out. Um, and I don't know if I were to like dig dig into. We're like you know I don't know. We're approaching like six hundred episodes of Canada Land, something like that. Uh, if you dig deep into the archives, there's just a moment in. Uh, in an episode I mentioned earlier that, you know, before Harvey Weinstein and me too, uh, and all that stuff, uh, we, we broke this news about John Gameshi, the host of CBC's Q and, um, what, what ultimately more than 20 accusers of serious, uh, sexual assaults and sexual misconduct. And, um, after that story broke uh, with my journalism with the Toronto star, I was discussing it with Roberto Verri, who is a former CBC employee, uh, who worked on Q. He worked for John Gameshi and he was in this studio talking with me about uh, about our mutual friend, Catherine Burrell, who also worked on that show. And I found out in this studio during that interview that Roberto Verri witnessed, witnessed in the office Jean Gameshi uh, sexually assaulting Catherine Burrell. He watched that happen. He watched him approach her in the office and uh, touch her in a way he shouldn't have touched her. And it was something that I hadn't known until that moment. And that resulted in criminal charges against Jean Gameshi, and that resulted in, in Jean Gameshi uh, recognizing the validity of those charges in, in, in apologizing publicly uh, to Catherine Burrell. Uh, and that, that happened in this studio. That moment was revealed in this studio. So that, that was a moment that, that when you asked me to think back, that, that, one, that one popped out. And that's an episode called We All Knew About Jean. Wow. Uh, away from Canada, Lana, what are your top three favorite podcasts that you enjoy? Top three favorite podcasts that I enjoy out there. Uh, it's always, always changing. Uh, I've, I kind of, you, know, you can get into a podcast rut. There's so much good stuff out there to listen to. Give me a second to think about that because I want to, 
I want to, uh, I mean, like, I'll tell you my routine. My routine is like, I listen to what a lot of people listen to. I listen to the daily and I listen to reply all. And I listen to this American life. Uh, and I, I listen. I listen to some, some stuff I'm not even going to tell you about because it's embarrassing, but I, I like shows where people are just hanging out and talking. And sometimes, you know, a lot of these shows they get overlooked by the kind of uh, serious journalists of podcasting, you know, the, the, the uh, Ah, uh, all right. I, I I've been listening to Call Her Daddy. Okay, I see it in the charts. <laughs> I see it in the charts, and I'm just like, what is the show that looks very <laughs> porny? And and I'll tell you something. They they, they are great podcast hosts. They are <laughs> I, like I don't I don't care. I don't care. People are gonna are gonna say I've got trashy taste, but people who know how to be themselves and make you feel like you're just sitting around hanging out with them, and keep that vibe. And, and keep it interesting episode after episode that's a skill and uh i'm i'm i'm, I'm gonna uh, I'll, I'll 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 say it i listen to that show from time to time uh but there's incredible journalism being done and i listen to the stuff that everybody's listening to i listen to you know uh, i thought the uh, season three of serial was fantastic i mean my favorite podcast ever is s town i i think that show took everything up to uh another notch and it was uh, it was you know just a, a work of profound humanism so uh, th that's that's my topic overall. Um, okay, so Jesse Brown, um, before we get out of here, why do you podcast? I I, I podcast because it's the best medium imaginable. It's it's it, like it, it, this is a time when people won't read news stories for more than thirty seconds. When 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 lies and and vitriol and hate are just flinging around like crazy. And we're losing sight of what the truth is and that there's this thing that's happening at the exact same time where people are willing to spend hours and hours listening to serious journalism, exploring re really heavy topics or delving into history and the human voice as the instrument that's, that's carrying that. And, and we're, we're, we are in this field of podcasting, rediscovering each other in a way that is deep, you know, in, in, in a shallow era where we don't have more than a few seconds even face to face before we look at our phones we are we are uh i think holding on to something that's crucial and uh podcasting happens to be the medium through which we're doing that so there's nowhere else i'd rather be it's 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 the best wow jesse brown it is such an honor to have you on opp i'm a big fan of canada land man it's great to be able to to be able to wake up in the morning, listen to Canadian news, and really feel like I'm getting a global perspective on what's happening, man. I really appreciate what you're doing in this space. Thank you. I think what you're doing is incredibly worthy, too. A big problem with podcasting is we can't, we just, we fall into a rut and we don't know all the great stuff out there. Podcasting is just this, this incredible ability to like just travel around the world and, 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 you know, completely lose yourself in stuff you had no idea about. And what you're doing, the problem is it's hard to find the podcasts. And, what you're doing is fantastic, turning people onto it. So thank you for for uh, spreading the word about us. And you know, I I, I hope some people listening to your your show uh, check us out. Jesse Brown, Pop bless you, brother. Take care. <laughs> you too. Thanks, Corey. Thank you all so much for tuning in to another episode of OPP. And to my special guest, Jesse Brown. You can find Canada Land on Apple, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. This episode was mixed by Joshua Coleman. Music for this episode is produced by Richie Quake. And are you down with OPP? If so, leave us a five-star rating in the Apple app and let me know your podcaster's picks in the review section. Lastly, 
Be sure to check out my other show, Silent Giants, which highlights the superstars behind the scenes of popular culture. You can find Silent Giants on Apple, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge. Pop bless y'all. Till next time. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.